Good afternoon, America, and welcome to the Thursday edition of The Sea Report. I'm uh, super glad to be here and super stoked, and I hope you guys are too. Uh, let's see, what is today? Thursday, April 15th. Gah. I remember when uh, April 15th was tax day, don't you guys? Yeah, I'll never forget the day they changed it. Uh, that was a pretty big hint that uh, the Federal Reserve Central Bank of America had some things going on in there. I guess today's a day of celebration for me because I remember when we nationalized the Fed on March 27th, 20, uh, 2017. Um, I think I was drunk for like two days because today I never thought Thursday, that that April would happen. 15th. Anyways, that's neither here nor there. I hope everyone's doing good today. I have a special report for you guys. Um, we're uh, coming at you live on Twitch, uh, on ScrewTube, and of course at our lovely new home at the Foxhole. I hope all of you guys are having a great afternoon and you're ready for this. I'm actually going to be pulling away from the headlines today. and I'm going to be giving you a bit of a special report. We're going to be talking about COVID. We're going to be talking about uh, specifically COVID-19. We're going to be talking about the mRNA vaccines that we hear so much about and gene therapy and understanding that a little bit more. And we're going to dig a little bit into some of the things. So I actually got a lot of uh, video uh, prepared for you guys today. I kind of wanted to try and crystallize all of the information that I could find in the most digestible pieces. Um, I think I was joking. Uh, to like kind of... Um, move some of this along inside of our heads and inside of our hearts. So I hope you guys are ready. Now, before I get started, I just did want to do a quick, quick, quick uh, chat recap uh, because I love the guys over at the Foxhole. Uh, CB's daughter said, hello, Mr. C. Good to see you. Uh, good to see you too, CB's daughter. Now, I guys, I got to admit, I'm not a huge chatter. I'm a bit more of a lurker. So when I, I saw GTSY, I was like, what does that mean? So I felt, I felt immediately aged. <laughs> And behind on things. Uh, Helios One said, hi. Hey, Helios. Good to see you again. Methods. Sup, C. We talking wrestling now. I like that. Um, all I have to say is, Methods, what would you do if next week on Monday I showed up in a Speedo and a Luchador mask? And that was my show from this, this point forward, right? <laughs> I think that would be ridiculous, right? Now, uh, we scatter here and there, but I'm glad you hung with us, Methods, and um, I get to see you. Uh, I'll, I'll catch you when I can in the morning. I, I got to stop in yesterday morning. I'll, I'll see if I can do it again tomorrow. Um, let's see. Classical Chick promised I'd be back. Glad you came back. Uh, they were hopping from uh, 412 Anon. Um, he's doing that fun calling thing. Excited to be here now. I was excited to have you with us. Uh, again, CB's daughter, uh, I'll be so glad when this movie is over. Uh, <laughs> all of this popcorn is making me bloated. I know what you mean, girl. I know what you mean. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I'm, I'm guessing CB's daughter, you know, people without avatars, right? Uh, but but um, yeah, that's that's a direct in reference to the uh, the popcorn for the movies we've been watching There's, during this entire uh, this entire show. This entire movie, you guys, you guys know the deal. It seems that we had a Tamger Rao. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing that name. Uh, DPS and CV's daughter and classical chick kind of like uh, dominating the chat room yesterday. So I was getting a kick out of that and rereading it. Uh, Tamger Rao said, "CNN wrap up smears expert. Yes, they are definitely um, experts at that. DPS, yes, I'm really enjoying the content you share. Thank you. And I'm glad that you are enjoying it, DPS. Again, it's CB's daughter. It's nice to get the news again. I stopped watching it three years ago. And believe it or not, I've had a couple of other people say that to me in regards to not watching the news anymore. And I just think I'm bringing the same news to you guys that everyone else is. I guess I, I just, you know, 
Um, I will watch the uh, the legacy media for you guys so you don't have to. Just, you know, uh, that's a deal we can make. And, you know, sometimes I can't stomach it myself. Uh, but you never know what the enemy might be telegraphing out there. Kind of like how I feel that the legacy networks will be using um, their legacy reporters, especially at phone news, to telegraph uh, like Donald Trump's movement, President Trump's movements, for example, when he uh, had made his last appearance on <coughs> Judge Jimmy Pirro, who I used to be a big fan of until I heard what she had to say about the January 6th false flag riots. Um, but yeah, she, she, if you guys noticed, if y'all saw that interview, how many times did she ask him, when are you going to the border? What date are you going to the border? Can you tell us when you're going to the border? I believe she was just telegraphing for her bosses when he would be there so they could plan something. Man smart. He didn't tell her. He just said, no, it's not my job, but they want me to go. So I might go. I think that was just his point, you know, anyways. Okay. Getting back to it. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, DPS said, do businesses have the right to require? And now that was in regards to uh, the vaccine mandates uh, with the masks and also the COVID passports. And, and you know, uh, we covered it. Uh, I think the report answered that question itself as we moved along. And that is no, it is discrimination regardless of whether they are a private business or not. It is discrimination it, with any other name. It's discrimination. I mean, it's discrimination. Like we covered this. Okay. So, and then we will talk more about that and make sure as we go along Uh classical chick reviewing things, stating you have a medical condition is like testifying against yourself in court. I wasn't sure if I understood that comment too much. Um, if you, if you tell someone you have a medical condition and they're a business, they have no right to ask you to do it. Now they could try and call your bluff and they could try and kick you out anyways. And then you'll take them to court and then maybe there in court, your medical condition would be uh, exposed or lack thereof. Uh, but like I said, we have healthy bodies and sound minds. And that is a good enough medical condition for me to tell them, hey, boss, you got uh, you got to back off a little bit here because I have a medical condition and this is medical discrimination. And really just using those words in any business would be enough to frighten them away. I've already experienced it. I've already put you know a few managers in their place. And like I said, where I'm going with this now is it should be a salaried manager or you know salaried individual in the business who should be talking to we, the people who do not wear masks, not the lemmings, not the employees, because let's face it, they are not geared to um, engage the general public in these types of conversations, especially when they're so uh, so triggered and they get so wrapped up in, in this turgid fear of this thing that they don't understand. They really don't have a place to deliver good customer service and deliver the kind of quality service that we deserve if uh, if they're so wrapped up in these you know brainwashed notions of uh, not wearing a mask endangers them. And I've already seen several of them hide behind the counter. I've already seen several of them get that like stiff like oh like that one guy pete over at that one retail store that uh, just couldn't seem to handle getting flack from people who were not going to listen to his um uh, choice to enforce uh the mask mandates which are not even mandates in the state of texas anymore so come on pete get off the log and get on the train all right napkinator said see you later i'll see you soon hopefully and then again tamjur aral uh dps classical chick joe one of two you guys just absolutely killed it 
uh, in the chat when I was rereading it. I was just getting a kick out of that. Anyways, so like I said, I'm going to stay out of the headlines as much today as normally like I do. And like I said, every now and then I like to bring you guys a kind of special report. So it's kind of what we're doing today. Um, we could talk about how Pence received a pacemaker, but really I think that's more like a implanted internal tracking monitor device so that he can't run away. That's what I think that is, honestly. And then uh, we could talk about the race baiting stories that are out there. We could talk about uh, Geraldo throwing a fit on air, whatever, you know, but it's okay. What, what we will do today is we will still let Trump lead at the Sea Report. And like I said, this is not a cult of personality. Um, if Trump were um, any other man, we'd still be talking about that man. But this is the man that took up the charge. So what was going on with Trump before we get underway today? It leads right into the story. Well, we'll start off with what happened between him and uh, that snake in the grass. I mean, we all knew not to trust her. That was Liz Cheney. Um, and so he actually had a release because, of course, uh, she was asked on phone news, I believe it was, or, or Neil Cavuto, wherever he comes out. Um, I forget. Uh, I get them all misplaced sometimes. But he, uh, he'd asked her if she would um, support Trump. Uh, in a 2024 run, of course, she said no. And of course, we knew she was going to say no, because after all, she was one of the senators that deftly stabbed Trump in the back. And also the people, also the people that um, that uh, were her constituents that were depending on her to uh, stand up and do the right thing for the Constitution and for the United States of America, these United States of America. Now, in response to that, our president, uh, Donald Trump, did say great news for the Republican Party. Senator Lisa Murkowski said she is still weighing whether she will run again for Senate in Alaska. Uh, I mean, I, I believe that she was, and now she has someone who is running up against her. And uh, that person's numbers are far more favorable than her. See, she's down in the polls. So anyways, back to the statement. Wouldn't that be great? And so many people are looking to run against crazy Liz Cheney. But we only want one. She is so far down in Wyoming polls that the only way she can win is if numerous candidates running against her and split the vote. Hopefully that won't happen. I'll make an endorsement soon. So we'll be hearing an endorsement for um, for the next uh, the next uh, Senate run in uh, Wyoming there. And uh, we'll see how that goes. Now, I hope all of you America First uh, um, uh, leaders out there who are running, keep that in mind. Now, I'm not saying that Trump will or will not run again in 2024. Hopefully he won't have to. Hopefully he won't have to, right? But if he does, let's not split about okay all right so that takes us to our next trump story and that involves the uh the johnson and johnson vaccine that has just recently uh been halted now we actually did report on this a few days ago uh actually it's been known for a few days that this johnson johnson vaccine i think it was about a week ago that i saw the first stories of the johnson and johnson vaccine being put on hold because they were seeing adverse effects effect adverse reactions. I apologize. Now, the story that I had seen in regards to that, it was really just saying that people were having immediate reactions. And maybe it was a cover story at first, because it was saying it was like nausea, heavy fatigue, nothing like we're seeing now where it's being reported that blood clots are forming. Um, now, of the uh, 7 million shots 
that have gone out now. Seven million vaccines. And I'm going to call the Johnson & Johnson uh, vaccine a vaccine because that is what it is. Um, it is not an mRNA gene therapy shot like the Moderna and the Pfizer are. Now, Johnson & Johnson, as well as uh, I believe it was AstraZeneca, they actually did have um, they actually used the adenovirus to create the vaccine shot that is the Johnson & Johnson shot. So um, they didn't have COVID virus. Hmm. Now, why would they not have COVID virus and COVID virus proteins in this vaccine, right? So even Johnson & Johnson, we have to ask. Johnson & Johnson, you're making a COVID vaccine using these virus proteins, but you're using the adenovirus to do it, not the COVID vaccine. Kind of makes me wonder if maybe there is even a COVID virus. Mm, now there's something, because don't forget these mRNA vaccine uh, gene therapies are actually, they are actually um, causing your body to create COVID virus. And we'll get into that in just a sec. So um, this uh, 7 million of these Johnson & Johnson vaccines go out. Now of the 7 million shots, Six women have clots that uh, draw that have clots that draw blood from the brain, and now there are two more known cases that are surfacing, including a 25-year-old male. So we'll have seven uh, women, I believe, between the ages of like 20 to 23, 24, up to like 48, who are experiencing these blood clots from the Johnson & Johnson, right, um, the vaccine. And then we have one male now who is uh, actually uh, coming out as having the same effect. Now, Trump did release a statement in regards to this. And, um, well, let's just see what he had to say. Trump said the Biden administration did a terrible disservice to people throughout the world by allowing the FDA and the CDC to call a pause in the use of the Johnson & Johnson COVID-19 vaccine. The results of this vaccine have been extraordinary, but now its reputation will be permanently ch challenged. The people who have already taken the vaccine will be up in arms, and perhaps all of this was done for politics, or perhaps it's the FDA's love for Pfizer, Trump wrote. Because now, if you remember, uh, there was supposed to have been no vaccine, right? Like there wouldn't have been a vaccine if Trump hadn't thrown a lot of money into it and really pushed the uh, these pharmaceutical companies to produce them. And then at the same time, it sent the deep state, the, the deep state into a tizzy, you know, uh, because they were uh, depending on the face of this shamdemic to be the fear factor that moved everyone in the direction that they wanted to, whether that was the Great Reset or whether that was creating an even deadlier virus that would infect people in round two of COVID, right? So that was one thing that we were talking about there. And now we have the deep state and we have the pharmaceutical companies and they're like, oh, because the deep state's like, hey, pharmaceutical companies, you got to make sure that these vaccines, we, that's why Joe Biden said, illegitimate Joe said that there was no vaccine. And he totally forgot that he got the shot before he even got in office because obviously 25th Amendment, right? So there's that going on. And then we have the pharmaceutical companies going to war with each other over who's going to get the most money and who's going to do this and that with this vaccine, right? So now we have this fallout with Johnson & Johnson, which is an actual vaccine versus the Moderna's, which are gene therapy, okay? So let's get back to the statement. Um, he says, <clears throat> the FDA, especially with longtime bureaucrats within, has to be controlled. They should not be able to do such damage 
uh, for possibly political reasons or maybe because their friends at Pfizer have suggested it. They'll do things like this to make themselves look important. Remember, it was the FDA working with Pfizer who announced the vaccine approval two days after the presidential election. So Pfizer didn't release it until after. It was all political. It was all political on that end. Um, they didn't like me very much because I pushed them extremely hard. But if I didn't, you wouldn't have received a vaccine for three to five years or maybe not at all. And think about it, guys. Under those three to five years of not having a vaccine, they would have pushed the pandemic to the edge. They would have definitely been able to, they probably would have kept us locked down for three to five years and what's happening now states are opening up and states are definitely pushing back okay so the uh, statement concludes it takes them years to act do your testing clean up the record and get the johnson and johnson vaccine back online quickly the only way to defeat the china virus china is with our great vaccines and that was from an email that Trump had sent out. So, you know, a lot of things, a lot of consternation has fell into the minds of we America First Patriots when we hear words like this from our president, Donald Trump. Now, let me tell you what, knowing that this was a shamdemic, knowing that Corona was essentially a real disease. But I mean, come on, it was basically the flu, right? Hey, Kathy Newer over there on YouTube, don't you worry, we're going to talk about Trump's stance on vaccines. Actually, that's what this special report is about. We're talking about COVID, but let me tell you something, because like I said, we're not a cult of personality here at the C-Report. You know, if, if Trump has done something that's damnable and he needs to be removed for, we're going to see it happen, right? However, what's going on with Trump pushing these vaccines, right? Like, why would he do it? I know, I know, and, and like I was going to say before, I saw Kathy's, and I apologize, Foxhole, you guys don't appear in my stream yard, but um, I will get to you guys. Um, what, what we had seen here basically is, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, we have a 99% recovery rate. You know, someone my age with a healthy body and a healthy immune system and a sound mind is... <laughs> It's not because uh, don't forget this COVID that's the this COVID disease is pretty smart, right? It, it can figure out if you're a Republican or a conservative. It can figure out if you're American first. And if you are, it'll attack you. But if you're celebrating Joe Biden's uh, illegitimate inauguration and you, you're out in the streets with the rest of the progressive, communist, socialist, liberal Democrats, you're not going to get sick. So it's a smart virus, right? So that's why I say I have a sound mind. It can't, it cannot infect me. But um, I'm sitting there and I'm saying, look, like, why is he pushing these vaccines when we know it's fake? Why is Trump pushing them? Like I was stuck, you know, I was like, this is not make sense. Like he should know better. So then I thought, you know what, maybe it's because, you know, he really needs to get it out there. So that this way, if the, uh, if the, the, you know, the deep state, the black hats, the, the new world order, whatever you want to call them, if they were able to move it, uh, he just needed to have that front face to show that, to take away the fear and then to kind of start removing that uh, predisposed herd mentality when you're stuck in fear, right? So I figured maybe that was going on. And guys, I apologize. I can tell you right now, this is going to be a long report. And I apologize to any of the other shows on the Foxhole app, but I can tell you we're probably going to go over an hour today. I gave you five minutes of your time yesterday back. I hope you don't mind if I take a few extra minutes today. It's a very important uh, report I have for you guys. So anyway, so as I was thinking about it, I was like, um, it, maybe that's what it is. He's just doing this maneuver because he needs to take the fear away from the people so they can start to stand up for themselves and take their masks off and stuff like that, you know, kind of what I was thinking. 
But then when I started to really think about what's going on here, I thought maybe that's not what it is. I was like, there's no way that President Trump has, you know, in the wake of his optical illusion of loss, right, that he's now being basically like a, a, a salesman or a representative or someone who endorses the pharmaceutical industry. I really don't think that's the case. And, and here's the reason why I believe that. So, you know, We'll wrap it all up, right? Here's the reason why I believe that. Now, if you guys remember back in um, July of 2020, Trump had begun releasing a series of executive orders um, that actually impacted the pharmaceutical industry like hugely. Look, here's a picture of him. Oh, there's there's our dear president, you know, signing that executive order with the pharmacists behind him, right? Pharmacists, I don't know, scientists, whatever they are. So he was, he was, and what did these executive orders do? Like, the, I mean, this was like, there's no way he could be a pitch man for the pharmaceutical industry if you remember about this stuff. So let's, let's take a listen to what he was talking about. Um, in the interest of time, I will not play the short version of the ask ah, through it. You guys, let's listen to the words of our president. All right, let's uh, give me a second to blow this up for you. to reduce the price of prescription drugs for American patients and American seniors. Previous administrations did nothing, absolutely nothing, as drug lobbyists, special interests in foreign countries really ripped off our citizens. Under the last administration alone, drug prices rose a staggering 55%. Thanks to my administration's aggressive actions since taking office, we have successfully lowered drug prices for the first time in 51 years. But this reduction is still not close to what I want, what I expect. And I'm looking for help for our great seniors, especially in particular. And that's what we're doing today. You'll hear something which will be very shocking. We're doing things that nobody thought could be done. It's going to have an incredible impact. Unfortunately, we've been waiting for Congress to take action for many decades to reduce drug prices for more than uh, more than just a small handful of people. But even the small handful of people never got price reductions, and I'm unwilling to wait any longer. Therefore, today I'm signing four sweeping executive orders that will lead to massive reduction in drug costs. Massive. We've already gotten them down a little bit, but that's not good enough. First time in 51 years, as I said, but that's not good enough. They represent the most far-reaching prescription drug reforms ever issued by a president. Nothing even close. All right. So that was just a piece of that one there. I mean, go ahead. And so, yeah, he passed these executive orders. Now, this next one, he really goes into it. And we could even dissect it a little bit after I play the video. But I want to I want you guys to hear what he was doing against the pharmaceutical industry and kind of why I don't believe he is. Um, he is a player for the pharmaceutical industry. 
And as we move along in today's report, I think and hopefully you may also understand a bit of why I'm saying these things. Okay, so let's go and play this one. On this occasion by Secretary of Health and Human Services, Alex Azar, that administrator of Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, SEMA. Thank you both. Thank you both. And thank you all for being here. Appreciate it. The unprecedented reforms we're completing today are the direct result of the historic drug pricing executive orders I signed in July. Uh, statutorily, we had to go through a very long process, and we got it done. I was very proud to have gotten this done. We were pushing it very hard, as we did with the vaccines and other things. Uh, the first action will save American seniors billions of dollars by preventing middlemen, famous middlemen they call them, from ripping off Medicare patients with high prescription prices. Currently, drug companies provide large discounts on the price of prescription medicines, including nearly $40 billion in rebates to Medicare Part D plans last year alone. Yet often, middlemen stop those discounts from going to the patients, which is what we're interested in, not the middlemen, who need it the most. So the patients are going to be now getting the benefit instead of these very wealthy individuals. Patients pay very high prices and they have for many years, although we brought it down, you know, first time in 51 years, with the costs adding up to hundreds or even thousands of dollars per year per patient. Today's action ends this injustice and requires that these discounts go directly to people. These are the people that need it. This will save patients up to 30%, could be 40%, could be 50%, could be much higher than that. These are numbers that nobody's ever even contemplated. And uh, that doesn't include life-saving drugs like insulin, which will be even higher. Insulin was destroying lives and destroying families because the cost was so high. And now it's uh, at a level that nobody can even believe. Is that correct, Sima? $35 a month from many times that number. The second rule we're finalizing today will transform the way the U.S. government pays for drugs to end global freeloading on the backs of American citizens and American patients. Until now, Americans have often been charged more than twice as much for the exact same drug as other medically advanced countries. Uh, we would be having a drug, identical drug, same company, and we'd pay many times the price of what that drug would sell for in certain countries. In case after case, our citizens pay massively higher prices than other nations pay for the same exact pill from the same factory, effectively subsidizing socialism aboard with skyrocketing prices at home. So we would spend tremendous amounts of money in order to provide inexpensive drugs to another country. And when I say the price is different, uh, you can see some examples where the price is beyond anything four times, five times different. For example, Medicare Part B recipients are forced to spend five times more for a common breast cancer medication than patients in other countries. So five times more. And we have other examples that are substantially higher than that. To address this unfairness and to lower prices for Americans, we're finalizing the most favored nation rule. Remember that name, most favored nation rule. Uh, nobody's ever done this. Uh, the drug companies don't like me too much, but 
we had to do it. It took a long time before we were, we were able to do this because statutorily we had to go through a process, but there'll, there'll never be anything like this. I just hope they keep it. I hope they have the courage to keep it because the powerful drug lobby, Big Pharma, is uh, putting pressure on people like you wouldn't believe. Medicare will now look at the price that other developed nations pay for their drugs. And instead of paying the highest price on the list, and we are substantially higher than any other country in the world, we will pay the lowest price. In other words, we take the lowest price and we match whatever the lowest price is, leading to colossal savings for all Americans. And we're talking about savings of 50, 60, 70%, 80%, uh, different drugs, different prices. In addition today, we're taking one more historic action to hold down drug prices. In the past, drug companies have been allowed to identify certain very old generic drugs that have been widely available for decades and exploit a misguided program called Unapproved Drugs Initiative. That's Unapproved Drugs Initiative, a program that has been around for a long time and uh, hasn't been too good for the, the people that were supposed to benefit to obtain market exclusivity on these medicines. So uh, we are doing something that uh, nobody thought anybody would do. The savings is going to be incredible. Then they've jacked up the prices by as much as 1,000 to 5,000% on uh, this product. And this program has also caused shortages of important medicines. Today I'm announcing that we are ending the unapproved drugs initiative program to stop this unfair practice. So prices are lifted by a thousand percent to five thousand percent in one or two cases even more than that and we're ending this we are putting an end to it together these reforms will save american patients many many billions of dollars every single year for generations the american people have been abused by big pharma and their army of lawyers lobbyists and bought and paid for politicians but i've been loyal to the special interests i've been loyal to our patients you know, people that need drugs, prescription drugs, and devoted myself to completely fighting for the American people. You see that? This is not an easy thing to do. Big Pharma ran millions of dollars of negative advertisements against me during the campaign, which I won, by the way, but, you know, we'll find that out. Uh, now, just so you guys are aware, this video came out in November of 2020. Almost 74 million votes. We had big pharma against us. We had the media against us. We had big tech against us. Uh, we had a lot of dishonesty against us. But big pharma alone ran millions and millions of dollars in ads. In fact, I looked at it and said, who is it? Uh, they, uh, I've never seen anything quite like it because I told them I'm gonna have to do this. You know, I was put here to do a job. And Pfizer and others, way ahead on vaccines. You wouldn't have a vaccine if it weren't for me for another four years because FDA would have never been able to do what they did, what I forced them to do. And Pfizer and others even decided to not assess the results of their vaccine. In other words, not come out with a vaccine until just after the election. That's because of what I did with favored nations and these other elements instead of their original plan to assess the data in October. So they were going to come out in October. 
but they decided to delay it because of what I'm doing, which is fine with me because, frankly, this is just a very big thing, a very big thing. What I'm doing here, I don't know if anyone's going to appreciate it. These people can't even believe it. Alex, even you can't believe it, can you? Look at you. So they waited and waited and waited, and they thought they'd come out with it a few days after the election. Uh, and it would have probably had an impact. Who knows? Maybe it wouldn't have. I'm sure they would have found the ballot someplace, the Democrats and the group. These corrupt games will not deter us from doing what is right for the American people. And I will always put American patients first. And I think uh, it can never be shown better than what I'm doing today. Already we successfully lowered drug prices for the first time in 51 years. In September, we finalized a rule allowing states, wholesalers, and pharmacies to safely and legally import drugs from Canada. Career politicians have promised to institute this reform for decades, and we got it done. The reason Canada, and this is going to be, I think, just a short-term fix, because until we have the favored nations fully ready, which we hope to be in January 1st, I think a very important thing to say, January 1st, it's right around the corner. Um, But uh, I'm giving governors the right to go to Canada because they'll pay pay approximately 50% less for their drugs that they buy for their states. So the governor's buying drugs for their states, go to Canada, they buy the drugs for very, very much less, and they'll be able to pass that on to the people of Florida. Ron DeSantis uh, was the first one to ask, but others are asking also. And uh, it's a great thing. I mean, you'll save 50%, they're gonna buy a lot from Canada. Uh, initially, and I think ultimately they'll be comparing prices. You'll get the lowest price anywhere in the world, so you won't need to buy from Canada. In a few weeks, my administration will also finalize rules requiring federally funded health centers to pass drug company discounts on insulin and EpiPens directly to patients, and the EpiPen prices come way down. We remember those horrible stories about EpiPen. Well, the prices now come way, way, way down. We capped insulin costs for many seniors at just $35 a month, as I said, saving them an average of nearly $500 to $1,000 a year just on insulin, saving $1,000 a year on insulin. Since I took office, we've reduced Medicare Part D premiums by 12%, putting nearly $2 billion back into seniors' pockets. Now, 12% is great by any standard, but 12% is peanuts compared to what we've done with favored nations. It's, uh, I think it's probably the biggest story that we've ever had relative to drug prices. There's never been anything like this. This is uh, something that has been talked about for many years, but nobody had the courage to do it because of the power of big pharma. We ended the gag clauses that prevented pharmacists from telling patients how to buy less expensive drugs. As you know, pharmacists could not talk to patients about how to buy drugs. How about that one? I think that's right. And now they can and should. We approved a record number of affordable generic drugs for three years in a row. And we put a very very heavy emphasis on generic drugs. And uh, the pricing there has become very good. But that pricing will also go down very substantially. No administration has ever fought harder or achieved more for our patients and for our seniors. But... For America, when you think of it, for America, because other countries were paying a fraction of what we were paying. In some cases, a small fraction. I mean, it was it was uh, what the numbers were just staggering. The difference between 
going to, I won't name nations, but I could uh, name five of them right off the top of my head that uh, it, it is so incredible to think about for years what was happening. We've been working on this for two years. Statutorily, we had to go through a process. But when you think that our nation for the exact same pill out of the exact same box, often made in the exact same factory, same company, and you take a look at uh, the cost with so much more, many, many times more. In four short years, we've instituted the most dramatic series of drug pricing reforms in decades. And you'll see that it all comes to fruition right now, starting on January 1st. And the American people will benefit from our actions for many, many decades. And it should be very immediate. Now, I presume they'll sue, but it's a suit that they should never be able to win. Uh, they should never, ever be able to win. So now I'd like to ask Secretary Azar to provide. Okay, so I, I really thought it was important that we hear that because, again, this was out in January, uh, sorry, November of 2020. Trump had already gone onto a media blackout. They'd already blackballed him, taken him off all of the social networks. So not many people heard about this. Not many people knew this was going on. And if you noticed, he said January 1st, 2021. But with illegitimate Joe and his cronies, you know, presenting a coup on the United States, taking that seat away, optically speaking, do you think that any of these pharmaceutical people, anyone in the medical industry has moved on this? And the American people don't know. And this was by far the most historic legislation, like bringing and reigning in the pharmaceutical industries that this man had signed executive orders on. And he was he was doing it for the American people. Just it makes me so mad. Um, OK, so but you ain't going to see me get mad on, on air. I promise. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so getting back to this thing. So now when you when you hear about a story like this and you hear about, you know, um, President Trump reigning in the pharmaceutical industry, I mean, it really does beg the question, you know, which is exactly why why is it that he is now pushing the Johnson and Johnson vaccine? What is the deal? Why is Mr. C calling it a vaccine? After all, he's been saying COVID is nothing but gene therapy sessions, which it is with Moderna and with Pfizer. But like I said, AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson actually had proteins from the adenovirus that made up that live bacteria or live substance of a virus that they're injecting us within to then have our bodies create those antibodies and give us immunity from, you know, um, also being able to prevent us from passing that along to someone else. Um, but now we have the Johnson & Johnson blood clots happening. Um, Seven million shots go out. Seven people are effective, affected adversely to their health, right? Now, I know when they're doing experimental type of, um, you know, studies and in, in medicines and vaccines specifically, if you're a part of that study and there's anything that is a, a deadly reaction, a, a serious reaction in that process, they pull the study immediately. They stop it immediately. Like these blood clots, if these had happened in, um, in a, like a medical study, they would have stopped immediately, you know, immediately. But here we have this whole situation where there's no studies. And we covered in yesterday's report how these mRNA vaccines, uh, uh, they, were, they were showing in animal studies before they stopped them and they moved them onto the human studies because they didn't have enough time, right? Like uh, in three to four months, three to six months, these animals were, were seen to have like 
all of these like heart failure, organ failure, stuff like that. We covered it yesterday, right? So what the heck, right? Like what's going on? Why is Trump still pushing these deadly vaccines, even though, um, even though, you know, this pandemic is still going on supposedly and, and, you know, he's no longer in office, uh, uh, optically speaking, we know, we know here first and the Patriot networks that that is a different story, but, um, here's, here's the kind of what my thought is. We have these MRNA vaccines that are going to go into our bodies and they're going to cause us to make COVID because there is no COVID. There never was a COVID. I mean, yeah, it's real. I mean, uh, SARS 2019, whatever it is called, like that's where it all stems from. So yes, you, you can biologically find it in a person's body, right? But, um, but the pandemic itself and the way it was overblown, not. So now we have these, um, these zombie vaccines. And I say that they're zombie vaccines because they get into your body and they cause you to make this sickness. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about some of the differences between these mRNA vaccines, uh, which are gene therapy, and then uh, the vaccines that Johnson and Johnson provided from the adenovirus, which was part of that, the proteins were used in it. And to do that, we're going to go ahead and listen to the creator of it himself uh, in a TED talk that he gave um, back in 2015, 16, 17. Let's see what it says here. Um, so we're going to listen to um, um, a TED talk by Dr. Tal Zaks. Uh, this is 2017 where he's speaking. And let's just kind of hear what he has to say about his own creations. So I started my professional life about 30 years ago as a nurse in the pediatric intensive care unit. And I remember this one infant, let's call him Jonathan, who came in really, really ill. Seemed to have a rare genetic defect, but in those days, gene diagnosis was still in its infancy. So we couldn't really figure out what's wrong with him. And in the years since, as I've trained as a physician scientist, we've been living this phenomenal digital and scientific revolution. And I'm here today to tell you that we're actually hacking the software of life and that it's changing the way we think about prevention and treatment of disease. So here's all the biology you need to know in 30 seconds. Our body is made out of organs. Our organs are made out of cells. And in every cell, there's this thing called messenger RNA or mRNA for short that transmits the critical information from the DNA, our genes, to the protein, which is really the stuff we're all made out of. This is the critical information that determines what a cell will actually do. And so we think of it like an operating system. And it's not just in every cell of our body, it's actually in every cell of every organism alive. It's the same thing. And so if you could actually change that, which we call the software of life, if you could introduce a line of code or change a line of code, it turns out that has profound implications for everything from the flu to cancer. And I'm going to demonstrate that with three short examples. Let's start with the flu. So many of us get a vaccine. Uh, what is a vaccine? It is an injection in our arm where we get bits and pieces of the virus, the proteins, and that teaches our immune system to recognize the virus. And so when we get infected, we're not sick. Now, imagine if instead of giving the protein, 
we would give the instructions on how to make the protein, how the body can make its own vaccine. That's an mRNA vaccine. And here's what it looks like from the cell. So the traditional approach has protein floating around your cells. An mRNA vaccine approach has the cells themselves in your own body making the vaccine. What's more alarming, a stranger prowling the neighborhood or somebody who just broke into your ground floor and tripped the alarm? That's what happens with an mRNA vaccine. You've tripped the alarm wire, and now the cell is dialing 911. It's calling the police at the same time as it's making the protein and saying, that's the bad guy. That's how an mRNA vaccine works. And for the last several years, we've shown... I'm sorry, guys. I just That is so false. That's so false. Uh, it, it's not calling the police. It's making your body make the COVID in order for your body to create the antibodies to defend it from COVID. It is totally counterintuitive. This man is lying to you. This actually works in a whole multitude of animal models. Earlier this year, we published the first actual study in people, and it, it actually works in people. We took a group of volunteers and injected them with a messenger RNA vaccine against a variant of flu, influenza. And all of these volunteers got the immune response we were hoping to see. The side effect profile was pretty benign, what you would see with any normal type vaccine. So we've proven the principle this actually can work. It works in people. And now we're going to be developing a whole um, slew of vaccines against diseases for which we don't have one. So that's infectious disease. Now for the second example, let's talk for a minute about cancer. Horrible disease. Cancer has affected the lives of many of us. Okay, I think you guys get the point here. Uh, but this is the man, Talzax, who, interestingly enough, um, Barron's report says uh, he will be leaving Moderna in the fall of 2021. Uh, so Talzax, this, this doctor, um, we are going to watch some more videos about this whole mRNA thing because I really, to grasp it, you know, but uh, just getting back to this man here, um, Barron's report says Moderna reported revenues of $570.7 million in the third quarter of 2020, including product sales of $199.9 million, beating Wall Street expectations. Analysts had expected revenues of $279.4 million, according to FactSet. Moderna reported a total revenue of $803 million for 2020, which is up from $60 million in 2019. That's quite a jump, right? Uh, Stats News says, because there is some uh, scandal around here, Stats News says, as the world awaits the results from Moderna's pivotal COVID-19 vaccine study, Chief Medical Officer Talzak the man we just listened to, has been selling his existing stock like clockwork every week through pre-scheduled trades, earning him more than $50 million since the dawn of the pandemic, according to disclosures made to the Securities and Exchange Commission. So not only is this man leaving the company in the fall, he's also banking on all of his stock right now. You got to wonder why, right? Now, my whole thought behind this and the reason why Trump is pushing the Johnson & Johnson is because Johnson & Johnson is a, it's a typical vaccine. This mRNA is not. This mRNA goes into your body and makes you create it. And I chiefly believe he may be pushing the Johnson & Johnson vaccine behind the cloud of political, you know, political fighting or infighting um, 
because he might be trying to protect us from something that could prove to be far deadlier in the future. Just my thought. All right. Now to get back to this whole uh, mRNA thing, um, I'm going to go ahead and skip this one. No, 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 I'm going to play it. Okay. I don't know who this guy is, but I found this video where he was speaking with a, a doctor, a scientist who's been working with vaccines and mRNA. They go into explain it a little bit more. So let's just go ahead and give it a listen real quick. I can discuss that issue, but I was talking to a neuroscientist that has done some work in this field uh, that brought us a lot of the studies on the dangers of aluminum in vaccines. Of course, I'm talking about the world-renowned scientist from the University of British Columbia, Dr. Christopher Shaw, and it is my honor and pleasure to have him joining us right now on the High Wire. Uh, Chris, you know, you brought up something. I sort of just stopped you the other day and said, you know what, I want you to bring that live on the high wire. From a perspective of neuroscience, you know, there's lots of concerns that causing the cell to create a spike protein in the body and hoping that the immune system somehow creates antibodies to fight that could start some cycle that could learn, lead to long-term autoimmune illness. Now, of course, there's excuses, but not a lot of science has been done. But you have a particular concern when it comes to the brain. What is that concern? Well, the concern is is actually several fold. One, I actually I looked at the Pfizer and Moderna phase three uh, safety studies, and there were there are things that were that were disturbing in that. One of the one of the biggest ones that I, I noticed was the uh, the Bell's palsy. And then I went back to the animal literature, uh, where uh, some Moderna scientists had had actually looked at where the construct, the mRNA a lipid-coated uh, polyethylene glycol construct had gone, and they were finding it in all kinds of parts of the body. And the, the, the official story is that you know once you inject it into your muscle, it stays there. It, it gets into your cells. The lipid helps you do that, and then it you know attaches to the ribosomes, and it turns out turns out this protein that your immune system will recognize, and, and you know, all is good to go. The problem is in their own study. This is done in 2012. Uh, the first author is a guy named Capital. Uh, there you go, Capital. And it, what you see when you go to their table two is it looks like the construct, and this was done with a different virus, so, but, but it was the test of the mRNA vaccine in general. And as with the Pfizer and the Moderna stuff that came out with humans, they're getting pretty good immune res response initially, it looks like. Yeah. But they're also finding the construct in the brain and other places. So that tells us something that it's not breaking down as fast as, as it's supposed to. Remember, the whole basis of the cold chain storage is that this is a very labile molecule that it will not survive. And, and somehow it is surviving to get in, in, inside various organs, including the brain. And that table tells you that this is, this is maybe something we need to worry about. I and mean, we need to study in more detail, not just, not just launch a, a population of 7 billion people. Because I think you're, you're inevitably going to have some consequences that we don't understand. So why is it there? I mean, it's not much compared to how much is in the muscle, but there shouldn't be any. So why is Man, it there? Just bring I, up that, I want to bring up that really quickly because obviously this, this looks like these were animal models, correct? And so they're able to uh, kill the models uh, after delivery of uh, the That's technology, right. right? The mRNA technology. That's right. But folks, look at all the places they found it. It's like it, it blew up inside the animal. We're talking bone marrow, brain, um, um, lymph nodes, heart. Uh, kidneys, liver, lungs. I mean, uh, I guess if your goal was for it to travel all throughout the body, then mission accomplished. 
But what I, I guess my question is, is I've even seen doctors putting out videos that any concern that this crosses the blood brain barrier uh, are not true. It's been proven that that's not true. And for a lay person like myself, I ask myself, why are you even telling me that? I mean, first of all, what would be the problem if it does cross the blood brain barrier? Why, why are they defending against that? So let me ask you that. What could be the possible problems should this mRNA technology make it into your brain? Well, I, my first reaction would be that it, it, it could trigger some autoimmune reactions inside the brain, Infl inflammation, because you know when you when you release either the protein, in this case, it may be the, the mRNA itself, because it's inside the brain, you're going to trigger microglia, the resident immune cells, to do something about it. And what are they going to do? They're going to try and deal with the cells that are releasing it. And or where, wherever it is, maybe they'll just engulf it and it'll be harmless. But the, you know, the onus is on the company to actually show us that it's not harmless. And they started to do that back in, in 2012 with a nice study. But I would think that a lot more a lot more rigorous science needs to be done about this before you do a giant experiment with seven billion people. And you know, it, you don't want to be do, you know coming back two years later or three years later and say, oh my goodness, where did all this autoimmunity come from? And I think it's I think it's a concern. And I think it, it really is incumbent upon the companies and NIH and CDC and all those entities that monitor the safety of these things actually to commission some studies and say, where does it go? Because clearly, based on Moderna's own data, it goes it goes into various compartments of your body, including brain. Again, not much, but how much is how much is is, is safe? We don't know. And you know, they, they never followed it over time. The animals are sacrificed or after, you know, a few days after injection. So how much goes there eventually? Why is it going there at all? I mean, that doesn't make any sense based on what they're telling us about how, how, how easily degraded this molecule is. So it, it shouldn't be there. It is there according to their own data. Maybe they were wrong. Maybe they didn't you know, do, do it right. But again, that, that calls for more studies, not fewer. All right. So that's what that doctor had to say in regards to these mRNA vaccines. Uh, so, I, uh, so I hope the picture is becoming clear now about, you know, how this thing actually goes into it. And, and it's scientists synthesizing the proteins, putting it into this gene therapy, and then your body reads these proteins. It gives it the directions. It tells your body how to make COVID. And, and in that process, it, it, gives you the COVID and then your body creates the antibodies. It's totally counterintuitive to what a vaccine actually should do. So now I found this, um, I found this short video. It's an animation that explains the science of what this thing is doing. Actually, yeah, we'll play that after this because uh, let me play that one now. It's a short video just to give you like, this is the science the, what everyone's been talking about, what it means. This is, this is just a, a brief animation that, kind of shows you, explains to you exactly what they're talking about when it says we make these proteins and your body reads the code and creates the virus out of your own cells. So just take a listen to this real quick. SARS-CoV-2 is a novel coronavirus that is responsible for the COVID-19 infection. The virus works by entering healthy human cells through the crown-shaped protein spikes on its surface. A promising candidate for the treatment of COVID-19 is a messenger RNA-based vaccine from Moderna Medical. Messenger RNA, or mRNA, are strands of genetic material similar to DNA that ribosomes in the cell use to synthesize proteins. 
Moderna's mRNA vaccine contains the instructions to synthesize the crown-shaped protein spikes on the surface of the SARS-CoV-2 virus. The vaccine is encapsulated into a lipid layer that allows it to enter the cell. Once inside the cell, the mRNA are released and ribosomes in the cell read them to synthesize the virus's spike proteins, which are then released from the cell. The spikes themselves are not harmful, but the human immune system perceives them as though the body has been infected with COVID-19. In response, the immune system produces antibodies against the SARS-CoV-2 virus. In the presence of an actual COVID-19 infection, these antibodies prevent the virus from entering a healthy cell by attaching themselves onto the spike proteins, thereby blocking their entry into the healthy cell and thus creating immunity. So counterintuitive to what a vaccine should be, guys. Like, it's insane. It's Our bodies are becoming COVID factories because of these, um, these gene sessions that they're telling people, these gene, gene therapy sessions that they're telling people are vaccines, and they're not. All right, guys, we're at the top of the hour, so I'm going to do some on-the-air maintenance for the podcast side of the show because we do also have a podcast side for the show if you're more into the listening type. So you get some uh, you get some exclusive footage right now. This ain't going to be on the air. What are we? We're episode 56 today. Okay, cool. All right, guys, let's keep going. All right. Uh, so now what I'd like to do is share with you guys uh, some of what the other scientists are saying. I want to share with you guys what some of the other scientists are saying in regards to this. Now, like I said, we're at the top of the hour, guys. I do apologize. I will be running a little late today. If you got a fox hop, go fox hop. Uh, you can always come back and watch the replay. This information will still be there. And that's why, you know, it's great to be on a platform like this. But come on back and check it out. But if you got to go check out the people that you, you know, go, go do it. Go do it, guys. But come on back. Let your friends know. This is some important video that we're covering today, some important topics. All right, so let's see what we got here next. Um, I want to share with you this. Uh, now, this guy here on screen, uh, that is Dr. Andrew Wakefield. Now, he's a gastrointestinal, gastrointestinal neurologist. Sorry, you cannot read that. Uh, but he is uh, one, of the, uh, one of the people behind the film that came out called Vaxxed. And so uh, it's just a real brief clip about uh, he gets asked about this mRNA vaccine by whoever it is that's uh, that's interviewing him. So let's uh, listen up real quick. What does this mean? And let me try and uh, characterize this. Um, DNA, the oxyribonucleic acid, are the basis of our genetic structure, if you like, in every cell is turned in, in codes for protein. And it transfers its information to make the protein through messenger RNA. So messenger RNA is an intermediary between the gene and the product, the protein. It's the protein that ultimately elicits the immune response, not the RNA. If you want to make a vaccine, it's protein that you give, whether it's bacterial protein or viral protein, whatever it is, it's the protein to which the human immune system develops the immune response. So, by definition, an RNA vaccine isn't a vaccine at all, because it doesn't elicit an immune response. It has to be turned into protein 
And it's the protein in turn that creates the immune response. And messenger RNA vaccine is actually genetic engineering. That's what it is. It's putting genetic material from an RNA virus into your cells and asking the cellular machinery with the RNA to produce protein from your cells to which you then mount an immune response. What could possibly go wrong? You have cells in your own body that are producing protein to which your immune system is going to mount an immune response. That's called an autoimmune disease. So the potential for this to go horribly wrong is enormous. It's never been used in humans before. It's never been tested out, and yet it's been rushed to market in these circumstances in the Pfizer vaccine. And we're already seeing some major problems occurring. I think there were two cases of anaphylaxis. I think there have been deaths that have just been reported. So what is going on? We need to know. But firstly, a vaccine for this is a misnomer. It is not a vaccine. It is an intermediary product which leads to the production of a protein that generates a so-called vaccine. And it is genetic engineering that has never been tested out in human beings before. And if it causes a problem a year, two years, five years down the line, and it's already been given to billions of people worldwide, it's too late. You can't take it out. You can't switch it off. You can't stop it. It's in there. It's like, if I can, as a filmmaker, equate it, it's rather like Jurassic Park that is about to escape the island, in my opinion. And that's pretty dramatic because we all know what happened when T-Rex got out to New York City, right? Okay, <laughs> let's listen to this next video. Now, this video, um, it features, let's see here, we got, uh, let me blow that up for you guys real quick. Uh, we got uh, doctors David Martin and Judy Mikovits with uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. sitting in tow. Uh, let's see what they got to say. Let's, let's make sure we're clear on something. Let's stipulate that this is not a vaccine. I mean, we need to be really clear. We're using the term vaccine to sneak this thing under public health um, exemptions. This is not a vaccine. This is a mRNA packaged in a fat envelope that is delivered to a cell. It is a medical device designed to stimulate the human cell into becoming a pathogen creator. It is not a vaccine. Vaccines actually are a legally defined term, and they're a legally defined term under public health law. They're a legally defined term under CDC and FDA standards. And a vaccine specifically has to stimulate both an immunity within the person receiving it, but it also has to disrupt transmission. And that is not what this is. They have been abundantly clear in saying that the mRNA strand that is going into the cell is not to stop transmission. It is a treatment. But if it was discussed as a treatment, it would not get the sympathetic ear of public health authorities because then people would say, well, what other treatments are there? The use of the term vaccine is unconscionable 
for both the legal definition term of it, but also because it actually is the sucker punch to open and free discourse. Because by saying vaccine, you dump it into a thing where you could be anti or pro the therapy. But if you actually talked about it as a therapy, remember, and people forget this, Moderna was started as a chemotherapy company for cancer, not a vaccine manufacturer for SARS. You know, if we said we're going to give people prophylactic chemotherapy for the cancer they don't have, you'd be laughed out of a room because it's a stupid idea. That's exactly what this is. This is a mechanical device in the form of a very small packet of technology that is being inserted into the human system to activate the cell to become a pathogen manufacturing site. And I refuse to stipulate in any conversations that this is in fact a vaccine issue. The only reason why the term is being used is to abuse the 1905 Jacobson case that has been misrepresented since it was written. And if we were honest with this, we would actually call it what it is. It is a chemical pathogen device that is actually meant to unleash a chemical pathogen production action within a cell. It is a medical device, not a drug, because it meets the CDRH definition of a device. It is not a living system. It is not a biologic system. It is a physical technology. It happens to just come in the size of a molecular package. So we need to be really clear on making sure we don't fall for their game because their game is if we talk about it as a vaccine, then we're going to get into a vaccine conversation. But this is not, by their own admission, a vaccine. So result, it must be clear to everyone listening that we will not fall for this failed definition just like we won't fall for their industrial chemical definition of health, because both of them are functionally flawed and are an explicit violation of the legal construct that is being exploited. So, Judy, as a scientist here, could you boil that down into English for a boy who who grew up with a blue collar? I take take your explanation, David, and that's superb. But for those out there who may not be able to to, uh, to, to follow that very intelligent analysis. Uh, and that's not meant as an insult, David. I, oh, no. I, I, just, I, I, I get frustrated when I hear activists and lawyers and everybody else saying, well, we're going to fight the vaccine. If you stipulate it's a vaccine, you've already lost the battle. It's not a vaccine. So what should I be referring to uh, to it as? A chemical agent? or Correct. It's a, it's a synthetic pathogen. They've literally injected the synthet- the very pathogenic right. part of the virus into okay. the cell of the body. It's it, a pathogen, not just to me, it's going to get me, make me sick. Correct. So they, it, they, it, they, it is made to make you sick, Rocco. Rocco, remember that 80% of the people allegedly exposed to allegedly SARS-CoV-2, so let's not get into that rabbit hole, but... Right. 80% of the people who are exposed to allegedly the virus have no symptoms at all. They're called asymptomatic carriers. 80% of the people who get this injected into them have a clinical adverse event. Correct. Right. You, you are getting injected with a chemical substance to induce illness, Correct. not to induce a 
immunotransmissive response. In other words, nothing about this is going to stop you from transmitting anything. This is about getting you sick and having your own cells be the thing that get you sick. Correct. So it's going it's to trigger an autoimmune response? It, it can, and it can. Among many things. Among many things. It can actually directly cause um, multiple sclerosis, Lou Gehrig's disease, uh, Alzheimer's disease, because that's what the expression of that pathogenic envelope. It can cause accelerated cancer. That's what the expression of that piece of virus, that syncytin alone, has been known to do for decades. You infected the, the disease, literally. All right, guys, you heard it there for yourself from well-respected doctors. I mean, I, I don't know what else to say. I, I don't know what to say. Like, um, I was going to show, actually, I was going to show some footage of some of the reactions that people had to this, but I couldn't because uh, it makes me too emotional. So I couldn't play it. Um, you guys can go look it up for yourself. It's it's tragic what's going on with this whole situation. But okay, so now getting back to what these doctors were saying about it actually causing the virus to be within you, causing yourself to get the disease among many other things that it could be doing for you. Now, guys, we will turn to some headlines because I'm sure all of y'all have been hearing about exactly how people are still getting sick even after they are fully vaccinated. Watch this. Right here at five o'clock, we told you about those so-called breakthrough cases. It's when fully vaccinated people contract COVID more than 14 days after their second shot. The nation's top doc, Dr. Anthony Fauci, said he is taking these cases very seriously. And as Lewis Golden reports, the cases are popping up around the country and there are many breakthrough cases right here in Central Florida. The first thing somebody says to me is, you got the vaccine, how are you positive? 27-year-old Hannah Reworks is a physical therapist and has been tested for COVID-19 at least once a week for work since the pandemic started. She said she got her first positive test just days ago. I was shocked, you know, immediately. I'm like, this has to be a false positive. This can't be right. But multiple tests confirmed it. She says she was shocked because she is also fully vaccinated. As a healthcare worker, she had her first dose of the Pfizer vaccine back in December and her second dose three weeks later in January. More than two months after the second shot, she says she contracted the virus. So it's just, it's very odd. Rewards is among a growing number of people. Earlier this month, the Minnesota Department of Health released a health advisory that along with the CDC, it is investigating COVID-19 infections among people who are appropriately vaccinated, also called breakthrough cases. News 6 checked, and as of last week, the Florida Department of Health in Volusia County has six documented breakthrough cases. Sumter County has six breakthrough cases, and Lake County has 26 cases. It is possible because no vaccine is perfect. Dr. Timothy Hendricks is with Advent Health and says both Pfizer and Moderna vaccines are 95% effective. The good news is, is for that very small amount of people that might become infected, that less than 5%, the chances of severe diseases uh, next to zero. Breakthrough cases are not specific to COVID and can happen with any vaccine, according to experts. Reword says three of her family members who were also fully vaccinated also contracted it. One of my family members, you know, actually went to the hospital. I mean, that's, that's pretty severe enough to be concerned 
about the vaccine. Reward says the health department is testing to see whether she may have been infected by one of the COVID-19 variants that have made it to Florida. She says for now, she and her family will continue social distancing and wearing masks. I don't think the public is, you know, aware that it doesn't mean you're not getting the virus and it doesn't mean you're not getting sick. There is still a chance. And the one thing you should know is every vaccine that's uh, been approved at this point is highly effective at preventing the one major endpoint, and that's um, hospitalization and death. Researchers are still trying to figure out whether people who are fully vaccinated and contract COVID-19 can also continue to spread it, which is why they still recommend that people continue wearing masks even after being vaccinated. See, now that's ridiculous. Uh, They're supposed to work. I mean, hello, Uh, polio went away. (laughs) All that stuff is gone. You know, that's what it's there for. Um, So I really got to tell you guys, it just, it does concern me, these things. Let me get this guy off the screen. Sorry. All right. We're just about done here. So now that's what begs the question, guys. It really begs the question, are, are we, are we getting sick? after we're fully vaccinated or is maybe our body starting to make the COVID and making us sick again, you know, cause we have headlines. We got 142 fully vaccinated people in Houston, Texas, positive for COVID ID, 246 Michigan residents fully vaccinated, positive for COVID-19, uh, over 100. Now it's up to 217 people in Washington state fully vaccinated. And I should stop saying vaccinated, right? Cause they're not vaccines, fully gene therapized. I don't know what you want to say. COVID-19 infected, at least 39 fully vaccinated people in North Carolina in Sonoma County now have COVID. South Carolina reports over 100 vaccinated breakthrough cases and uh, 168 cases in Oregon State. The Epic Times reports 5,800 fully vaccinated Americans have contracted COVID-19. 74 of them have died have died after receiving these gene therapy sessions. Uh, The article says some 5,800 Americans contracted COVID-19 despite being fully vaccinated against the virus that causes it. Um, Of the 5,800 fully vaccinated people who were confirmed or are so-called breakthrough cases, nearly 400 of them required treatment at hospitals and 74 died. A little over 40% of the infections were in people 60 years of age or older and 65% were female. A state-by-state breakdown was not available. The figures for these cases were through April 13th. There have been more than 78 million people who have been fully vaccinated in the United States of America as of today, April 15th, 2021. So you have to ask, why is this happening? Why are our bodies being forced to create COVID? You know, I had this conversation with a family member recently and they had a breakthrough thought and they're like, you know, you know, Mr. C, you know, uh, whenever you have a virus, you know, it's in a Petri dish, stuff like that. They have the actual virus to create the vaccine from. So why, why do we have to do this mRNA stuff? Could it possibly be because there is no actual COVID? Let's see what this doctor has to say. Actually, scientist, I apologize. Virology and immunology. I'm a clinical lab scientist and have tested 1,500 supposed positive COVID-19 samples collected here in Southern California. When my lab team and I did the testing through Pope's postulates, 
and observation under a scanning electron microscope, we found no COVID in any of the 1,500 samples. What we found was that all of the 1,500 samples were mostly influenza A and some were influenza B, but not a single case of COVID. And we did not use the BCSP, the, the BSPCR test. It's polymerase chain reaction test. Celia Farber does wonderful journalism on the topic. I did videos on this channel for that. We then sent the remainder of the samples to Stanford, Cornell, and a few of the University of California labs, and they found the same results as we did. No COVID. They found influenza A and B. All of us then spoke to the CDC and asked for viable samples of COVID, which CDC said they could not provide as they did not have any samples. We have now come to the firm conclusion through all our research and lab work that the COVID-19 was imaginary and fictitious. The flu was called COVID, and most of the 225,000 dead were dead through comorbidities, such as heart disease, cancer, diabetes, emphysema, etc. Then they got the flu, which further weakened their... All right. And yeah, I'll go ahead and let that rumble stay up there because after all, they don't take down your videos. You guys, if y'all are interested, make sure that you, you can head over to Spreaker to download these, share this with your friends. Any of the personal uh, COVID or vaccine stories that I've done have already been pulled. Um, I had some on my personal blog, uh, sorry, not personal blog, my personal podcast and stuff. They took them down. So if you want to save this, you can download it. Um, or what have you, or just share the information with your friends. Just let them know that this is what is going on. So, okay, let me go and get that off the screen real quick. All right, so, um, okay, we're almost coming to the end here, guys. Thank you again if you hung around, hung out with me. I know we're running a little late today, but this was so important to get out. I mean, I was sitting there thinking, like, what am I going to talk to? The headlines were kind of light today, and this just came. Um, so real quick, now we are talking about getting back to, uh, like, reality here out of this whole scientific fog, the, this journey that we just took and, and explaining about this COVID, the mRNA vaccines, this way we can kind of get a handle gene therapy session so we can get a handle on what it is is really happening to us, right? So we do see that uh, states like Texas and Florida, they're already, um, they're already pushing back on this type of thing, especially in ways of these vaccine passports, you know, so we are seeing that happen, um, especially because that's discrimination. And that's a whole other topic, guys. We, we've talked about discrimination on the C report already, and how that this they're depending on the private sector, they're depending on your friends, your family, your neighbors, your, your boss, your coworkers, everyone to tell you that you have to get vaccinated and, and, and then that you, you will be oppressed basically because you become a second class citizen. I've already dealt with this uh, without having my mask on in the last few weeks. Um, I just do not do it anymore, you know, and right now I'm kind of feeling like I'm going to go to a COVID lethal injection center with the bullhorn and I'm going to tell everyone there that it's gene therapy session and the people who are injecting it with them, they know it. They're doctors. They know it. They know what this is and they are still doing it. So that makes me very upset. Okay, well, just to, by, by way of some news, uh, the state of Tennessee has officially passed a Senate bill that will ban government vaccine passports. Again, why do we need to create bills and laws when we already have the ADA, we already have HIPAA laws, we already have laws on the books that we can sue if they want to go ahead and discriminate us? It doesn't make any sense, right? But now if we go to the state of Indiana, the state of Indiana, if you're in Indiana, you need to pay attention. 
the state of Indiana, um, the state of Indiana, the House has um, is. Let me just read the article from the Epic Times again. Indiana House shuts down efforts to ban vaccine passports. So the people, the lawmakers in Indiana, want to make it so that their 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 citizens, their constituents, cannot ban a vaccine passport like what is going on here indiana what is going on here and that's just a piece of it okay now that's the last of the headline i will read for you today because now you see this tug of war but the the people of the states who are awake and you know their legislators are listening to their constituents are pushing back on this again we don't need vaccine passport laws we already have things to protect us what we need is for people to stand up and say enough is enough basically is what we need and for those of you who don't have the strength to do it you know it practice makes perfect you know and I'm getting a little riled up right now, but what I could say for a fact is when you're out there on the streets, when you're going maskless, when you're standing up for your rights because you are a human being with with a healthy body and a sound mind who knows how vaccines work, and now you guys know that this is gene therapy, it is a, it is a brash experiment that they are performing on the world at large, we really need to find our center we really need to go in there with a calm frame of mind. Cause let me tell you something. When you got people coming at you with that negative energy and they're just frustrated because they feel it's, and they're, they're scared. This comes from a place of fear. I think more than a place of civic duty for their neighbors. It comes from a place of fear. We have to be the ones who are calm and centered and let them know, Hey, you're violating my rights. You're discriminating against me. Are you going to ask me what, what I have? Because if you ask me, you're discriminating against me and you're violating my rights. And the manager will come over and say, okay, and they'll do their spiel about why they are doing what they're doing. But in the end, even if it is a private business, they do not have the right to do this. Even if it is a private business, they still need to learn. So I'm going to close today's show with this video. Again, I'm going to bring uh, Dr. David Martin onto the screen. And he was giving this speech on January 6th at the uh, Freedom Rally, MAGA Million March. I was there. I didn't see the man. But uh, this is a speech he gave, and we're going to close it. Uh, we're going to close tonight's show with his speech. So uh, uh, if you uh, tuned in today to the C Report, thank you for hanging in there. Please let your friends know before this report gets scrubbed. Um, cause I, I really believe it, it does face that possibility, especially over on ScrewTube and stuff like that. And, uh, do tune in tonight. We'll be having a round table at, uh, 9 PM Eastern, 8 PM central, uh, for Q and a holes. So we will be live. Um, and, uh, <laughs> I hope you guys enjoy, but some closing words from Dr. David Martin, as he, uh, gives a speech at the freedom rally Magamillion March on January 6th in Washington, DC. Let's give the man a listen. And thank you for tuning into the C Report tonight, guys. We will see you tomorrow at the same time, same place. Here we go. Very simple. I got three messages for you. The first message is very simple. Nature has never and will never conspire against humanity. Nature loves humanity and nature loves humans. The only things that conspire against humanity are humans who have sold their souls. Our job today is very simple. And for those of you who don't get the memo, the great news is there's a print copy of the memo. 
But for the record, I am actually standing in front of the Senate office building, and I'm actually going to read the crimes, and I mean literal crimes against humanity, perpetrated by Dr. Anthony Fauci, by Dr. Robert Redfield, and by Do Mr. Alex M. Azar, the Secretary of Health and Human Services. These are crimes, and these, in the first instance, are felony crimes resulting in jail time and fines. And not one Office of Inspector General, not one Attorney General, and not one U.S. Attorney for any district in this country has had the courage that I have on this stage today. Dr. Anthony Fauci, Dr. Redfield, and Mr. Azar have done the following crimes against the United States and against the citizens of the world. They have violated 18 U.S. Code Section 2339 in funding and conspiring to engage in acts of terror against the citizens of the United States. That is a felony. They have engaged in a violation which is a felony of 18 U.S. Code Section 2331, Section 802 of the Patriot Act, where they have willfully lied and manipulated and coerced the population to induce fear in that population for their self-interest. That is a felony violation. They have, in fact, in October of 2020, lied to Congress, a felony violation of 18 U.S. Code Section 1001. In violation of 15 U.S. Code Section 1 through 3, they have conspired to commit criminal activities by appropriating U.S. taxpayer dollars to fund those taxpayer dollars into their market-selected corporate interests, including Moderna and Pfizer and Gilead Sciences and a whole host of others. In violation of 15 U.S. Code Section 8, they have engaged in market manipulation and market allocation by price fixing the prices of vaccines and therapeutic interventions for COVID-19. In violation of 15 U.S. Code Section 19, they have actually violated a federal felony crime of interlocking directorates, controlling both the means, the motive, and the message around what is in fact the COVID-19 campaign. Those are criminal violations. Those are things for which they should be arrested, cuffed, and taken into custody right now. And if anyone within the hearing of my voice here or anywhere else has courage and has a freaking drop of patriot blood in them, they have an obligation under the oath that they take to protect and defend this Constitution to bring these criminals to justice. And on their way, they can actually charge them for the civil complaints as well. Violation of 35 U.S. Code Section 206, which is the disclosure of government interest. In fact, Dr. Anthony Fauci in October of 2020 failed to disclose 40 patents generating over $4.5 billion a year that he is actually directly benefiting from in NIAID and NIH's response to the Office of the General Accountability Office investigation into NIH. They have violated Section 35, Section 101 of the patent laws of the United States by patenting nature, which is actually a violation of the fundamental rights of patent laws in the United States, and finally in violation of 21 Code of Federal Regulations. And by the way, this goes to everybody standing here and everybody around the country. They have forced us to participate in a clinical trial in violation of 21 CFR and in violation of the Nuremberg Code they have actually forced us to participate in a clinical trial and violated the Federal Trade Commission laws that say that you actually cannot promote the treatment or prevention of disease 
by an untested medical technology. As recently as April of 2020, the actual Journal of the American Medical Association said there was no evidence, no scientific evidence that masks did anything to prevent or treat or ameliorate any form of disease. But against the law, and it's 21 CFR section 50.24 and following, they violated the law and they violated the Federal Trade Commission Act that says that you're not allowed to do that. That is the same act that they have used to shut down natural medicine solutions for the last 115 years. And it's time that we throw their own law back in their face. This is about actually holding people accountable to their own thing. Now, that's part two. Here's part three. You've been lied to. And you've been lied to time and time and time again. But I'm going to bring you some evidence. And this is evidence that you never saw before. This little book here is actually a book I published in May of 2005. And in it, I have the evidence that the programs that Anthony Fauci has funded and supported are not only not in the interest of public health, but worse than that, they are part of bioweapons programs. And what we are experiencing right now is not an accident of nature. It is the willful, virulent enhancement of a pathogen that has been unleashed for the purpose of destroying this country. This is an act of war. This is not just a treasonous act. This is an act of war. And in this book, on page 76, I actually have the evidence that the United States Department of Defense actually patented the weaponization of biologic agents at the exact same BSL facilities that are the same facilities where the coronavirus allegedly was amplified. This particular document details, are you ready for this? The blast resistance so that a pathogen can be placed in a rocket-propelled grenade. Does that sound like an injection? Does that sound like public health? Does that sound like the way you actually would distribute a health-related project with rocket-propelled grenades and blast-resistant pathogens? That's in 2005, ladies and gentlemen. That was published and given to the FBI, to law enforcement, to intelligence agencies, and for the entirety of the last 15 years, no one has done a single thing to disrupt this. So when people say, Dave, how did you suddenly know so much about coronavirus? How did you suddenly know? Like, how is it that December came along, January came along, and suddenly you knew everything there was to know about coronavirus? Well, ladies and gentlemen, I have been following the money, $191 billion of your taxpayer money appropriated in the building right behind us, $191 billion, and I have followed every dollar into the hands of over 6,500 organizations, over half of them who are foreign agents. This is not some sort of interesting little public health crisis created by nature. This is a bioweapons terror attack on this United States, and we have to call it what it is. Right. I am done. I am absolutely done with people who have no courage. Every AG, every Department of Justice official, the Antitrust Division, which has $180 million to investigate whether Facebook and Google are criminal organizations. You don't need $180 million to investigate that Facebook and Google are criminal organizations. 
the European Union has spent millions of dollars establishing that fact already. We don't have to spend $180 million for that. We need to spend $5 to get one person, one law enforcement agent, somewhere on this planet to actually have the courage to stand up and say, acts of terror in this country will not be tolerated, period. This is our time to reclaim the fact that we, the people, are in fact products of, participants in, and stewards of the nature that surrounds us. And we, the people, have a legal and moral and ethical obligation to actually use one of those rare talents that most of us lost a long time ago, and that is the courage to use our voice. Each and every one of you has that within you. And you need to use this moment on this chilly January 6th, 2021, to light the fire of patriotism inside of you so that you will not allow this to happen again. Remember, nature has never conspired against us. Criminals do. And it's time that we hold the criminals accountable. Thank you very much. God bless you.